I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop at the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I am director of the fifth element. I highlight the fifth element of hip hop. It's knowledge. And digging digits say. Technology can shut the fuck up. Mm. 21st century. Nothing more boring. Nothing more boring than troubleshooting. Hi, Ben. How's your week, Ben? What have you been to this yeah, week? I listened to it quite a lot this week. So I got into the new Sky Zoo and the other guy's album, Mind of a Saint. Woo. I definitely feel like the other guys Woo. added a new depth to Sky Zoo's music. I think that his most essential albums have always, or projects, have always had him kind of locked in with one producer, like The Easy Truth with Apollo Brown, obviously Retropolitan with Pete Rock, um, Live from the Tape Deck with Illmind. This record is just stacked with warmth, like warm beats, uh, beats that feel lived in, that throwback 90s energy. And I think Sky Zoo's vocal tone stands really starkly against that backdrop. It adds a lot of weight and ceremony to everything he says. Kind of feels like you're listening to something special on this album. And, you know, for example, when that mournful horn kind of wanders in during 100 to 1, it doesn't matter what he's saying almost. Like, it's just going to feel like 3 a.m. on a deserted street in New York. Like, it's just a beautiful aesthetic. And I think Sky Doo does really well on top of these beats. I really do. It's 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 a really solid project. Uh, 21 Little Harold after the curse. So 21 Little Harold is signed to Slaughter Gang, which is 21 Savage's label which explains the wild feature list for an artist with under 200,000 monthly listeners. Like, to get some of these artists on here is, is, is crazy. Like, it's just crazy. Got the plug. You've got 21 Savage, of course, Young Nudie, G Herbo, Nardo Wick. The album actually gets better as it goes on. I felt like it's almost like the first half, he's just trying to drop trap bangers, and then the second half, he experiments a little. Like, Out of Time into Sacrifice, I think, is a brilliant two-track run. I think those two beats are really haunting, Nardo Wick kind of steals a show on No or Give No Fucks, uh, the final, but then the final track, Black Mob, um, it's a pretty imperious fuck you to just about everyone and everything. Like it's, it's very intense, it's only 90 seconds, but it's a very scathing song. I think it's a solid effort. It feels a bit disjointed and chaotic. It's not really something I can see charting well or propelling him to the next level, simply because I think it's hard to get a handle on what his signature sound and energy actually is. It's almost like they threw a bunch of popular sounds at a wall to see what stuck, and I would much rather hear him be a little bit more experimental, but no, I think it's still a banger of an album. 03 Greedo, who is now home after four and a half years in prison, um, dropped a mixtape free 03, and his story is wild, man. At one point, he was actually facing 300 years in prison, but he was eligible for parole, uh, and January 12th was the, was the date that they said, so... There's a great article on Passion of the Wise if you want to read about O3 Greedo's case. Um, I actually watched a couple of videos about it. It's very interesting. Um, but yeah, man, it's home now. So shout out O3 Greedo. Welcome home. I think this mixtape is obviously designed to capitalize off this release. Um, but, you know, we got that wild Netflix and deal with Kenny Beats in 2019 and his iconic and probably a classic tape, The Wolf of Grape Street in 2018. This kind of feels throw to, thrown together in comparison. So I don't, I don't want to review it too harshly because, you know, I'm certain at some point in the future he'll be settled and ready to release something that 
he's crafted entirely from his own vision. Um, this tape feels a little bit underdone and incomplete. Uh, I felt like he deserves to have some real big name producers slide in and kind of spend some time crafting it from the ground up. I think the, the track with Drakeo, that's, that's a really tough listen. Uh, not because it's bad, just because of what happened with Drakeo. He linked up with Ken the Man, and that track is fire. Um, it's good. It's a worth a listen. Definitely worth a listen. Uh, Babytron, Bin Reaper 3, The New Testament. 72 minutes of New Babytron. Um, there's no one on this earth rapping the way that Babytron is rapping. You can love it or you can loathe it, but you can't deny it. he's doing something that no one else is doing. The sheer lunacy of some of the punchlines on here is worth the listen alone. That's before you get this scorching verse from Corday. Corday came through with a brilliant freaking verse, the best verse on the whole album. I thought the Ramble verse was great too, but a lot of people were critical of that verse. I thought it was good. Babyface Ray's verse was great. Um, I was very disappointed in the Yachty feature, uh, but you know, it is what it is. You hit and miss with Yachty. 72 minutes is a really long time, but Babytron has so much charisma and personality, it never drags for me. On Ricky Henderson, he raps, periodic table in the kitchen, 60 elements, let me see an op, gonna lose control like Missy Elliott. And like he managed to shoehorn Missy Elliott into a periodic table bar. Like I think that's that's wild. Um, it's just it's good, man. And he just does it like the whole way through. There's always these one-liners and, and couplets that you just like. How the hell did he come up with this? So I think it's good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, you know the the kind of offhanded, unscripted nature of it might be off-putting to some people, but yeah, I, I thought it was engaging. Um, Obi-Juan and Dylan, Dylan the Infamous dropped their new project. So <clears throat> uh, Guanahani is the name of the title, and it's an island in the Bahamas, and it was actually the first land sighted and visited by Christopher Columbus during his first voyage. So the artwork is a reference to legendary Bahamian musician Exuma. Um, if I've said any of these names wrong, I apologize profusely. I really do. I'm sorry. I'm not going to even attempt the, t the track names because I don't want to screw those up. Um, but the accompanying explanation of the passion and the emotion that went into this project on his Instagram, Obijuan's Instagram, is, is palpable. You can feel it all over the record. And at first, it feels quite understated. It's kind of almost like we're getting something akin to Mark Homme. Uh, the warm production on the second track bleeds into a beautiful, really like low-key synth loop on the third track um, that feels like it came out of the 1930s. Obijuan has this like unfaltering monotone delivery that's quite stark at first. Then we get a track like the fourth song. Um, yeah, from here, there's like a genuine sense of unease and tension that comes with that track. And then we get into the fifth and sixth track. They kind of open the whole album up. It's like the sun is suddenly streaming in through the blinds. I think the coolest part is as the instrumentals open up, Obijuan's vocals become essential percussive elements. He becomes the centerpiece. You know, the, the subject matter is suitably dense. Like I, it takes plenty of listens to wrap your head around and I, I want you to enjoy that joy of discovery as you listen to it. But I can fully recommend this album and I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was it was a solid project. So that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? So it's not Obi-Wan, like Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan? Well, I thought it was just a joke on the Star Wars tip. Um, I don't know about that. Could be his real name. That's what that's what I assumed it was. But um, <coughs> I, was, I was like, "Huh, that's hilarious." Obi Wan, get it? Obi Wan. Anyway, uh, yeah, got in a couple. As I eat my food, um, <laughs> uh, I did also spin that sky suit. Other guys. Um, so the one element that uh, um, 
the Ben dimension, obviously, is that um, this entire concept is based on uh, the eye, B- Skyzu embodying the eyes of uh, all the life of uh, Franklin Saint, um, obviously character, main character from uh, uh, Snowfall. And when you have that context, and when you take in all, obviously, the, you know, the clips from the show, um, very no- all the noticeable scenes anyway, and a few more, um, and some interesting uh, archival um, skits or elements or whatever you want to call it, it really just emboldens the whole project for me. Um, on top of the fact that you know, I've enjoyed other guys' production for a few years now. Um, every time they drop an EP, I'm always on it. I'm always uh, giving that a spin. I always like their uh, their seasonal projects as well, um, like Summer in Analog, Winter in Analog. Um, always enjoyed that uh, those particular works. Um, but yeah, I think they really um, upgraded on that front. Um, with also again with the uh, with the task of bringing the life of Frankenstein, quote unquote, to life, obviously with uh, Long Miss Guys Who's lyrics. Um, but yeah, it was very, it was very interesting. To listen, and um, probably my, <laughs> it's one of two projects I've listened to, twenty twenty three related projects I've listened to this year. So um, uh, take take that with a pinch of salt. But I wouldn't be surprised if I if this you know was um, if I was if I'm spinning this around this time in December, um, giving this a spin for uh, the album. This definitely worth it. Um, and also ants live, uh, just a matter of time. So shout to Mimi the music blogger who um just tweeted his music video of um uh number one candidate which is definitely the best track on here um has kind of like j-rock win baby keem uh family tires kind of vibes to it it's uh it's really good really good track really good track um really really bouncy really confident uh just a chest you know puff chest banger um me and i passed that it's kind of um it kind of uh i think uh I don't know. It kind of it's, it, it doesn't really reach the height of that one track, uh, the rest of the EP. Um, but he's definitely one I think to watch uh, for the future. I'll say that for sure. Um, there's just some there's, there's some good there's some good parts in the throughout the EP that happen. Um, but yeah, just um, kind of uh, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't really like you know blow my head off uh, if, that, if that makes any sense. And also I mentioned last uh, last week that you know I've been I'm gonna try and. I have been trying to spin uh, projects I missed uh, from last year, um, so I wanted to highlight just a few. Well, I'm gonna highlight all of them in, in quick in quick succession. But um, uh, Horizons by Jasmine Myra, um, she's a, a saxophonist, uh, flutist, composer. Really chill. Listen here, really nice, really smooth, really nice for the background. Really enjoyed that. Uh, Resynthesis by Jamie Leeming. Um, saw him live uh, in December for the Sakita Record Showcase. Um, I wanted to give this album a spin. Well, he's a guitarist, um, but um, there's really just a lot of good stuff here. Um, kind of ha- it's very similar to um, the work of Alpha Mist and like the Rudy Kresic um, work as well, where they have they all in, all under this Sakita Records, right? But they all have this calm nature about them. But at the same time, there's a lot of things going on. It's very interesting how that works. Uh, Sule or Sole, um, the untold story spun that as well. Um, really nice. She's she reminds me of like a Britney Carter if um anyone spun her. Um, just got some good rapping, really good rapping all over the spot. Um, and uh, uh, interesting voice as well. Uh, Shaylon, uh, spelled S H A I L A U M. Spread love. That was really nice. Really 
deep uh, R&B record. Uh, I spun that to be continued or to to be continued. Shout out to Baltimore, uh, Miss Cam. Really like that. Uh, Queen Mills causing a scene. If you want a British uh, British female artist doing it, um, she's uh, covering a lot of bases with this project. Um, so that's very interesting. And um, yeah, and I thought there's one more. Oh yeah, Kazia. Kazia Genesis. Really fascinating project there. Um, really has a just a does a bit of French on there as well. Um, bit of Afrobeat, bit of R and B. Um, a little, little, a couple of, a couple of bops as well, a couple of get you moving kind of tracks as well. So, um, really interesting uh, mix for her, definitely. Um, so shout out to Kazia, and uh, yeah. With that said, we shall get into our uh, retrospective of Three Six Buffy. Um, DJ Paul, GCJ, and um, a assortment of other characters that were that that come in and out um, as the years go by. And it gets increasingly obvious <laughs> as the years go by. Um, so we split listening duties for the projects. Um, so I took five and Ben took five. But Charlie, there's only nine studio albums. Well, I'm sure Ben will get into that when we get into that. So with that said, Ben, what have we got? Yeah, man. I mean, 36 is such a pivotal group. And I've been saying ever since I discovered Juicy J in my teens that... He is responsible for a huge portion of the current mainstream sound, and that's been true for like 20 years, man. And I was watching the DJ Paul interview with Drink Champs a few days ago, and he was asked if he writes for other artists, and he said he absolutely does for EDM artists. He's linked up with a bunch of electronic artists for the last 10 years, and he was actually pivotal in bringing hip house to the fore. Whether you feel that that's a positive or not, you cannot deny that even in that direction, it's influential. And I feel like too often... 3-6 Mafia is listed behind Outkast and Bone Thugs in the influence stakes. I will say this. No one sounds like Outkast. You know, they can't be recreated. I think they're too eclectic and varied to foster an entire mainstream movement. Although I would say the Chicago scene in the mid-2010s does kind of resemble their cinematic approach. Um, but Outkast showed the South for a force to be reckoned with. Critical acclaim mixed with wild commercial success. But Bone Thugs maybe more so on the commercial success. I think they push it to a whole other level. But in terms of pure influence on sound, I, I just think 3-6 Mafia is clear. Think about how potent the Memphis scene is right now. you got Moneybag Yo, Yo Gotti, uh, Young Dolph, rest in peace, Juke Juice, Pushiesty, Annalie Chopper, Key Glock, Glorilla, Big Dirty, Blockboy JB. They've got Tay Keith production. You know, All of that, I think, can be laid at the feet of 3-6 Mafia. And you do absolutely not have to take my word for it. Just go back and listen to, probably not their debut album, but every subsequent album after that and you'll see exactly what i mean and they did popularize the triplet flow they brought horrorcore to the mainstream uh they even introduced the wider listening public to lean you know black it or loathe it uh, and the group was found so in the group the group was founded by a dj paul lord infamous and juicy j dj paul began making music at the age of 11 he took piano lessons and he became quite good and he actually speaks regularly in interviews about his skill on the organ and he'd often this is pause on this one but he'd often whip it out at parties and dazzle the guests with with his ability on the organ pause 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 um lord infamous and dj yeah yes decent decent uh lord infamous and dj paul were half brothers um and infamous started as a musician in his mid-teens 
when uh, he was known much more as a singer. At the time, his musical interest led him to the bass and electric guitar, which allowed the duo to scope to create actual songs. So they were creating songs together. DJ Paul also knew how to play the drums, so the half-siblings would begin to slowly create music together as, as a duo. Uh, Juicy J was playing his trade separately. In North Memphis, he began to learn how to DJ, and after initially desiring to become a singer, gangster rap infected him, and he became fixated on creating hip-hop music alongside his budding DJ ability. He told Vulture he was DJing parties at the age of 16, and he says although he was a very capable rapper, he never actually wanted to pursue it. He was drawn far more towards the production side. He actually speaks to Vulture about being obsessed with funky drummer, like loop, looping it up, learning how to sample. That was really a big thing for him. But in the end, Juicy J's rap career began out of necessity because a lot of the shows he was DJing, the rappers that he invited to perform didn't turn up. And so to keep the crowd interested, he grabbed the mic and rap himself. So he, that's how he became a rapper. So the scene was set. We had these three teenagers plying their trade but they were yet to meet, and Juicy J tells Vulture about meeting up with DJ Paul. He says, he was the hottest DJ on the south side of town, I was the hottest DJ on the north side of town. This guy that I knew when I was at OTS Records, which was 8 and MJG's record label at the time, introduced me to Paul. Paul had a lot of equipment, a lot of keyboards, and a nice, good, expensive four track. We hit it off, we started making shit together, and people started going crazy about our mixtapes. We started making a lot of noise, and Paul was always rapping too. He and his brother Lord Infamous with the group The Serial Killers. To make a long story story short, we started 36 Mafia, me, Paul, and Lord Infamous. So it isn't actually the longest story in the world. You know, the three hit it off immediately. Um, at the time, DJ Paul had begun to release these mixtapes, and this was super key to the success the group would achieve in the mid-90s. Um, DJ Paul was acting like a typical mixtape DJ in the mid to late 90s. You know, he was grabbing the hottest tracks, throwing them on a mixtape and selling it. He told Adam22 he had done about four before he started getting requests from artists around him to feature. So prior to that, when he was releasing these tapes, there was no original music on them. Just typical DJ stuff. Um, <clears throat> but then he started to incorporate these artists around him. And, you know, being a musician himself, he could produce some of the tracks. Uh, Juicy J produced some of the tracks and slowly but surely these tapes became more original content heavy until before he knew it he built up an entirely organic buzz for a group that had yet to really take form. So 3-6 Mafia is a group of course but similar to Wu-Tang it was also a big collective outside of the core members. It's obviously not as big as Wu-Tang uh, in terms of the core members but like you know the, the auxiliary artist is quite large because you know, you've got DJ Paul, Juicy J, and Lord Infamous who founded the group. Then you've got Crunchy Black, Gangsta Boo, and Coopster were all official members. But outside of that, they had a pretty epic 18 other artists in their crew affiliated. Um, the most famous probably being Project Pat and LeChat, who started out associated with the group. Uh, then they returned to the fold in... Oh, sorry, that was LeChat. LeChat actually was on their first album. Um, and then she didn't return until 1999. And she eventually kind of replaced Gangsta Boo when Gangsta Boo left. Um, but yeah, you know, it's valid to speak on the other members and how they entered the group because they were, you know, just because they weren't founding members, they were essential to the, the, the glow up. Coopster went to high school with both DJ Paul and Juicy J. And his start was similar to that of Gangsta Boo. He appeared on two of DJ Paul's early tapes, volume 15, volume 16. Uh, Gangsta Boo, we spoke of last week, of course, rest in peace. DJ Paul saw her rapping in a talent show, put her on a couple of mixtapes, um, including the track that really set her off, uh, I Chifa. 
and word of mouth was so strong that they had to put her in the group. People were requesting her. Crunchy Black was part of the rap group Project Posse, and they ended up in the Orbit at 36 Mafia. In an interview with Vice, he described himself as, he says, Crunchy Black says, I'm the dancer, I'm the backupper. That's just me. Everybody got a role, and my role is I'm the gutter one, watching everybody's back. I can't do nothing fake. I can't do no pretending. He also had a group called the 8-Ball Posse. In an interview with Vlad, he simply said, we used to break, break, break the law, which was very interesting. Um, he met DJ Paul whilst he was DJing parties. And Paul was a little bit of a celebrity at this point. Uh, Crunchy Black knew him by turning up to all these different parties he'd been booked for. And apparently Crunchy Black uh, gave DJ Paul some protection. DJ Paul was at the party by himself. And some people uh, weren't too impressed with what DJ Paul was doing or had done in the past. And they attempted to jump him. And yeah, Crunchy Black got into a fight with two guys. And he actually said, Crunchy Black said, since then, Paul and I have been stuck together like glue, which is quite a nice image. Uh, so the, the group was taking form and the three founding members were in control of the sound and the direction. At first, they were known as the Backyard Posse. They later changed it to Triple Six Mafia, which DJ Paul actually said helped them to cross over to the white audience. It was during a Drink Champs interview and Nori said that Three Six were the first black rock stars of the South. And DJ Paul said that because of their satanic angle and their horrorcore aspect, they actually appealed to white people who were listening to a lot of death metal at the time and a lot of like that sludgy, you know, aggressive, like Satan worshipping stuff that everyone was really scared about was going to take over the world. But, that, you know, obviously this wasn't really going to fly if they got signed to a major label and wanted to go mainstream because, you know, the 90s was not the kindest to Satan. Satan's brand was was low in the 90s. People weren't, you know, on the Satan the Satan train. So they did get signed, Satan but it was... Yeah, Satan fell off in the 90s. Satan fell off in the 90s, you know. It may come back in the 2010s, but, but they, they got signed. Um, it was not to a major. It was Prophet, Prophet Posse. Um, there's a lot of posses in this episode. Now, Prophet Posse signed them, and they dropped an underground album called Smoked Out, Loked Out. Now, DJ Paul sent an interview in 2012. He considers this album a mixtape, um, which actually really upset the Rate Your Music community, who had been calling it an album for you know 20 years. And some of them have left really beautifully eloquent reviews of this very hard-to-find cassette tape. If you do manage to find one, there are a bunch of people willing to pay a fuckload of money for it if it's legit. It's horribly mixed. It sounds like it was recorded on a sundial, but it's woozy and blue, it's dark, it's super dingy, and it's exactly what appealed about 3-6 Mafia. And we spoke during the Big L episode about him being be, being one of the most popular, or well, first popular horrorcore rappers. But that's true of 3-6. And although I feel they pushed that imagery far harder than Big L ever did, um, I do think that they were right at the start. Like, I, I don't think... Because, for example, in an interview with, with Jimmy Ness, um, he asked about their obsession with the occult. And I think it was Project Pat who replied, I just liked horror movies. It was nothing rebellious. I just liked horror movies and horror music. I guess everybody does when you think about it. I just probably liked it a little more than the other kids. Um, and so I thought that, you know, it, it kind of dropped away after their first couple of albums. But on this debut mixtape album, whatever you want to call it, Bro, it's right fucking there, man. It's intense. And it's not just the lyrics that foster that sense of unease. It's just the energy. Like, the poor recording quality gives it, like, a super low vibe. Like, 
it feels like it shouldn't exist like i'm watching the ring or something it's just dark and it's a tough listen if you're used to like the glossy modern memphis production but it's a it's a real time capsule um but yeah i mean that was their their debut album in inverted commas but it just didn't go anywhere so then we get their real debut mystic styles which is obviously a classic yeah definitely i'll see the um <clears throat> just the longevity of uh of uh tear the club up it's just um bitch <laughs> it's, just, it's just everywhere um and uh, i'm sure it's still spun on a uh, many a uh many a house party um but even past that bro like um the the, the horrible element i feel is just um the secret ingredient to actually why three six mafia are so are so good and why listening to this album and a few more on a few more after is just like it's it's just it's it's got that it's got that it's got a timeless feel to it um and doesn't feel it, it doesn't it doesn't feel dated which is basically the word timeless put backwards, but you know, um, it's but but stuff like back against the wall is just so it's got it's just it's so raw and so uh survival survivalist. I love the survivalist element of when they talk. Sometimes like, it's just like I have to like I'm making this track. And if I don't, I'm a die kind of thing. You know, I mean, it's just a survival, ele- just a survivalist element towards their music. Um, that it just uh, that I just really, I just really respect. I just really respect. I guess that's you know a, a part of horrorcore. I mean, if it's you know horror, then you know whatever. And obviously mixed that with gangster elements that you know we've heard plenty of times. Um, it makes up into an interesting, an interesting meal uh, to 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 consume uh, uh, audibly. Um, but you know, even past that, uh, sweet robbery uh, part two, really enjoyed. Uh, All or nothing, obviously, tear the club up. Mystic Styles, the 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 title track, six minutes bangs constantly, keeps going. Uh, but yeah, man, classic album, definitely. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's really it's, it's it's a great as a as a official quote unquote debut album. Um, I feel like that really it just really set the set the tone. I think. Yeah, I mean, just a bit of context around it. Obviously, after their their debut debut, their, the cassette tape, um, things still had to heat up considerably before they could actually drop this album. DJ Paul and Lord Infamous dropped the tape "Come Home, Come With Me to Hell." Sorry, in '93. Um, and original versions of Tear the Club Up and Porno Movie featured on it, which started people talking. DJ Paul also dropped volume 12 of his mixtape series and it caught fire. Juicy J released the volume 9 and 10 of his own series and it was a pivotal piece of work. There were the bones of future hits on that record and people started to sit up and take notice. Now, Prophet Posse had signed them, but it was just not enough to really propel them because Mystic Styles is considered a classic. It's one of the most influential albums in hip-hop history. But... It peaked at number 59 on the R&B hip-hop chart, even though it featured a song that should have become a hit and is now a classic, Tear the Club Up. I mean, it only made number 70 on the hot R&B hip-hop songs chart, so it didn't blow up like crazy. Um, Then we get Chapter 1, which was billed as their first non-lo-fi release. I actually like this album a lot more than Mystic Styles. 
You know, I can fully respect Mystic Styles for what it did and how it did it, but I don't think it compares to their smoother, clearer drops. I think Juicy J is potent on this tape. Whenever he drops by with that halting flow, it's a huge highlight. Gangsta Boo plays a far more prominent role on this project. Um, LeChat had left the orbit of the group for a few years. Uh, all the official members are present. Coopster and Crunchy Black provide solid backup to the main artists. And this album solidified the Wu-Tang comparison for me, for example, because I think every rapper brings something unique, but some of them link up so well together. Like DJ Paul and Juicy J really complement each other perfectly. You know, they both keep time with these like unchanging flows. Coopster and Lord Infamous, I think work perfectly together too. They're different in that their lyricism is more defined and more overt. Um, you know, rather than focusing on the bounce flow, they're kind of allowing their lyrics to tell some pretty graphic stories. Gangsta Boo is the hype. You know, she lifts the energy of every single song she pops up on. And this was the beginning of the Memphis influence, I believe. Like, Mystic Styles was a bit too lo-fi to be properly plagiarized. If you look at something like the Low End Theory versus Midnight Marauders, nothing else sounds like Check the Rhyme, but a song like Award Tour or Electric Relaxation were more maximal and easier to replicate in a more mainstream way. Um, maybe not easy, maybe just more appealing. And I think on chapter one, they kind of open the curtains up and the sun is streaming in. And this is a time capsule of the Memphis sound that's still feeding the mainstream to this very day. I feel like this was the beginning of, of that sound. But yeah, I, I enjoy this album. I, I think it's, it's really, really solid. Yeah, and uh, funny enough, I feel exactly the same way when it comes to, yeah. to chapter two. Because, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the... You, your your mention of just um, chemistry, I guess, of uh, you know from track to track, and obviously it's just different, um, different uh, flavors, right? Every time, uh, I think really just uh, elevates this entire album. Um, you know, uh, you got J, uh, J Paul, Gangster Boone, Lord Infamous on Motivated, but then you have uh, Lord Infamous, Crunchy Black. Paul and Juicy Joe and Gun Claps, and then you have uh, pretty much so many fucking people, like eight people on on Body Parts too. This is it, and then just Lord Infamous on anyone out there, or just DJ Paul on a on a on a neighborhood hoe. Like it's it's interesting. It it, it keeps it fresh and um, really yeah, just really elevates the whole project. Um, but yeah, past that, um, uh, hit a motherfucker's just great. Uh, who who got them nines? Banger, banger, banger. Three six in the morning. Uh, a mini reference, obviously, to uh, Ice T's six in the morning. Uh, another Taylor Club up. Uh, ninety seven edition, apparently. Um, so yeah, and I feel like that's really interesting how um they they just reuse tracks <laughs> and then just and then it's just fine. Nobody cares. Just like, oh, good, another version. It's just it's just fine. Um, and obviously this is all within a three year span. It's like, you know, you know, uh, 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 Mystic Stars one year, then chapter one the next year, chapter two next year. So from 95 to 96, 97, like they're just dropping an album and, um, it's just fine, I guess, that they keep dropping <laughs> Taylor Club up. Uh, I'm not hating. I can't complain. Um, I don't, I think, I think it was on this album where, um, I heard, I heard another uh, uh, a juicy J uh, doing the slap <laughs> on my nut, black up on the car. I I know he has a track of obviously that's the track right, but he me. also does it as a verse on one of the tracks. I'm trying I'm trying to remember which is which. And then I'm just like, okay, <laughs> just 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 rinsing shit. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it, but 
it's uh, it, 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 you know, you get over it, even if it does bother you, you get over it. Um, but um, regardless of that, uh, I think the your mention of just uh, how they, st- I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's kind of like the same as Wu Tang, right? Where you you getting you getting something different um, every time. It's like, oh, haven't had this and this before. Ooh, how would that work? And and, it, and yeah, it just um, it just creates a very dynamic project. Let's say that it's very dynamic. Yeah, they have an interesting. I mean, if you go through their actual projects on Spotify, there's fuckloads of them, and I actually listened to all of them. Um, I, I went through all of them during the week. Oh gosh, went through all the underground mixtapes, and yeah, I mean, they they the albums are almost indistinguishable from the mixtapes in that the mix the albums are just black mixtapes. They repeat things, they repeat beats from previous albums, they repeat verses, like you know, and you know, a lot of that's like the bounce. Uh, energy that they bring to the music like repetition is is i think it's one of their strengths genuinely and also you have to remember that they're not shy about how many drugs they took during this period um they were saying that these albums are born out of lots of different types of drugs i'm not going to go into all the different types of drugs but if you watch interviews with them they will list every drug (laughs) i mean well, Juicy J tried to do that. I think it was Juicy J in an interview, and I think it might have been Vlad or even Adam22, like, posited it to Gangsta Boo. And Gangsta Boo was like, yeah, we did all those drugs, but we didn't do meth. Meth was the one that we didn't do. So Juicy J tried to document it, and he actually included, I think it was Juicy J included meth, and, and Gangsta Boo, like, pushed back against that. But yeah, they, they did a lot of drugs. So these are drug-fueled albums. These are drug-fueled albums. Now, um, yeah, just on chapter two quickly, the Project Posse connection was forcibly severed during this period. Paul and Juicy J had a huge falling out with Nick Scarfo of the, the label. Um, and a lawsuit ensued and they left the label unceremoniously. They'd already begun to set up their own label, Hypnotize Minds, which would, I thought like, for example, Hypnotize Minds is exactly what I think Wu-Tang should have done because Hypnotize Minds was set up to oversee all the releases of all the different members and all the affiliates. That's the whole point of it, you know? And that led them signing a distribution deal with Relativity, which helped them get their foot in the door at Sony. Now that deal was signed in 97 and Chapter 2 actually became their first gold album and it went to number 40 on the Billboard 200. So this was this was when they started to pick up that mainstream success. Then we get When the Smoke Clears, 66, 61. Um, you know, one of the most iconic and possibly influential songs in history is Sipping on Some Syrup. Like, slow, calm, chill. And Paul said it was actually a huge risk for them um, because Sipping on Some Syrup is, is regularly cited as the beginning of the lean craze in hip-hop music. And I actually did an analysis on the trend of lean references in rap over time. And it was really, really obvious that Sipping on Some Syrup, like, created a trend. Like, the old Rap Stats engine, which is sadly down now, be- like, brilliant engine. I used to love it. It used to be capable of going through every song on Genius and showing the prevalence of words in hip-hop songs over time. So if you could type in the word lean, you would see how many hip-hop songs every year would were referencing lean. It was, it was wild. Um... And it just went up and up and up, like after this song. And obviously, when Lil Wayne got hold of it, it just went like straight up, like straight up into the fucking stratosphere. But you know, it's just a wild song. It was so different, as as Paul said. Their previous songs that were like successful, he called them cocaine songs. He said they were like fist pump anthems. They were pump up anthems, you know. And this was just in a completely different direction. And he actually told, I think it was Adam Twenty Two, might have been even been Vlad. And he said when. 
people realized syrup was drugs, then they connected with the song. They didn't necessarily connect with the song when they didn't know what the fuck syrup was and like the sound of it and the energy. But when they realized that they were talking about drugs, he said that's when the song hit. So yeah, man, it's just, it was a risk. It's a much slower track compared to the crunk style they were beginning to create. But 42 million streams on Spotify um, has a lot of longevity, this song. And this album ends up being platinum. It's their first ever platinum album. And uh, yeah, man, I, I think it's a great album. I really do. I think they're getting better as they go at this point. Um, it does drop off a cliff at one point, but at this point, they, they're getting better as they go. Oh, it's gonna be interesting to see when uh, when you think that. Oh God, one of their albums I, is. I, I have a pre. I have a pre. I I personally have a pretty clear one. Uh, from, from fucking hell, bro. Stand. Um, but uh, we do have choices next, and uh, I think out of the five I listened to, this is next to chapter two, probably my favorite. Um, I feel like it's literally chapter two, but with just more variety, and uh, something I haven't mentioned, and obviously it's, you know very easy to mention but fuck man some of these some of these drum packages are just so fucking crisp like to this day still crispy as shit um i forgot which one it was it might have been might have been a uh, uh i ain't going hustler's theme um or mean mug i think it was mean mug actually but the beat on that, oh, the bass line is just so crispy, so fucking crispy in the earphones. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, there was just some, there's just more variety here, right? Um, <laughs> this bitch, that hoe with uh, Project Pat, Ludacris, and Crunchy Black Fire, um, uh, Gangsta Niggas with the uh, Paul J and the uh, Boo is great. Um, uh, past me, Crunchy Black in the chat. That was really good. War with us, uh, with uh, Paul J, Crunchy Black in the chat. Really good. Uh, but yeah, it's just some again a, a good, nice, healthy uh, amount of uh, variety. Um, nobody was, you know, kind of like uh, 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 taking taking the album for themselves, so to speak. Right? It was very. I enjoy the I enjoy the communistic nature of the, of the, of Free Six Mafia albums, which I guarantee has been a quote never said before. Uh, I enjoy the communistic elements of a Three Six Mafia album, um, and I I generally think that's the that's the USP for me personally when I'm listening to it, and you 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 don't get Juicy J or DJ Paul all the time, and that's some foreshadowing when I say that. Um, you're getting some Gangster Boo, you're getting some Project Pat, you're getting some The Chat. I love me some Crunchy Black. I love when Crunchy Black comes on the track. Uh, he's actually, actually, I really enjoy him on the track. I don't know why. It's just, uh, I don't know if it's just um how he talks, um, but yeah, he just uh, he just takes over a track for me personally. Um, but yeah, man, even you know, solid features, Ludacris, like I said. Yeah, that uh, was great. Uh, Lord Infamous, so, on o- Lord Infamous on bro, OV. So good to hear Ludacris on this. Bang man. Him. It's great, man. It's great. It's great. I love this album. I really do like this album. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was still turmoil at this point. And choice, when Choices came out, like in, in 2000, the Prophet Posse Collective disbanded. Um, this was the group of artists in 3-6's orbit, uh, and it was proving very fruitful for their label, Hypnotized Minds. Coopster then had to leave the group because of legal trouble, trouble uh, and wildly that voided his contract with Sony, and he was actually banned from recording with the group. So he was still a member when um, 
uh, during When the Smoke Clears, but he wasn't on the cover or in the videos. And by choices, he was out of the group entirely. Um, and choices goes number 19 on the Billboard 200. So it's just continuing, this continuing to succeed. Um, then we get the Unbreakables, a lot more turmoil. Uh, in the interim between these albums, Gangsta Boo left the group, citing business and personal issues. But still, this didn't damage their commercial glow-up, surprisingly. In 2002, Juicy Day and DJ Paul re-released their early 90s projects and effectively like dropped their own debut records with these, both of which were really well-received. Um, Project Pat dropped an album in 2001 called Mr. Don't Play, which was helped heavily by DJ Paul and Juicy J. It went number four on the Billboard 200 and ended up going gold. And this is what I mean, like very different to the way Wu-Tang. Like Wu-Tang hit hard as soon as they came out and then they just like carpet bombed with like the debut albums and they all were freaking amazing. 3-6 were a lot different, but they did have that. I mean, Juicy J's official debut album, I don't think came out till 2013. You know, that's what I mean. Like they, they didn't just like drop a whole bunch of solo projects, but when they did, and I think that that shows how successful they were and how much popularity they had. When the, when the solo members of a group like that can come out and drop an album that goes top five on the Billboard 200 in that, in that era is freaking amazing. And, you know, it came at an, at an odd time, this album, um, they lost Gangsta Boo, but gained a lot of solo, solo success, sorry. Uh, and I think it's a good project. It's a little bit slower than I expected, um, but it's a solid album. Pimp C skates on here. I think Project Pat brings something extra and unique every time he pops up. Again, I think it just continues a trend. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's better than Choices. I think Choices is a great project, but it's good. It's really, really good. It's a solid record. Um, and then we get Choices too. Yeah, and um, if I'm not mistaken, this came out right around the time they won the Academy yes, Awards. Yes, I think it was um, just before um, they won the... Well, the Academy Awards happened in February, don't they? So this is in March, so yeah. Month Literally after, month yeah. after, if I'm correct. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's, that's an interesting, I think, obviously, wrinkle um, and something that I don't think, yeah, no, no other <laughs> set of rappers can say they have an Oscar. Um, I mean, I guess Eminem. Does Eminem, Eminem was the Oscar? first one yeah, to win it. Uh, Common has won one as well, Eminem. but yeah, Eminem uh, 3-6 were the first, okay. obviously, yeah. first hip-hop group to win. Oh, I mean, Common? Common yeah, John Common Legend, got it. Common. But that was a lot later. So, that was yeah, like... Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's a still it's an exclusive group, let's just say that. A very exclusive group. And one that, <laughs> if, 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 if a random... If you had like a... a, a um, a hip hop normie, and you gave like those set of names, and you're like, who has won the Oscar? Um, I mean, if they, you said know, like, I, I if you said which hip hop group has won with won the first Oscar, you'd fucking you'd say Outkast, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, I think you'd say Outkast. I'd say the Roots. I thought the Roots would have uh, the Roots like seem tailor made. Yeah, to do something I guess. Like that. But like Outkast were um, doing but... actual movies. Like you know, Andre Three Thousand was acting. Like you know, yeah. he was in Four Brothers. He was great. Like. You know, I, I think it, having it as... You ain't going to soundtrack. You ain't going to yeah, soundtrack yeah. for fun. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck. Oh, gosh, that'd be crazy. That would be interesting. Just a really eclectic soundtrack to go with, like, just hard-ass nose, four brothers. Anyway, choices two. Uh, this is where they sink for me. Um, this is just where it starts just getting a bit... Mm, um, yeah. Just less people... Yeah. Uh, less people involved, and it just starts to get a Too little bit samey. 
um, and a lot of a lot of dedication to hooks and nothing else. Jeez, Christ! Some of these, most of these songs are just really just all I hear is hook, and then and then just like a minute of static. <laughs> like like the, the 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 verses are so unmemorable, and then all I'm hearing is just like super repetitive uh, hooks. Um, why and and why? And this is the thing, right? We've uh, most of these albums have been um, 60, 70 minutes ish, right around the area. And I haven't really had much complaint towards that um, because of the variety, like we were talking about. Um, but when I'm getting, I can't, I, I don't want, I don't want four, four minutes of PIM, four, four, and four minutes, 44 seconds of PIMP. I just don't, I don't want five minutes and 41 seconds of it's whatever, whatever with us featuring D Rock of the Yin Yang Twins and Youngbloods. I don't. I just don't. I don't. I don't want nearly you know, six minutes. Why of are you that. hating? Why are you hating on the Yin Yang Twins, man? I'm not hating hate on the Yin Yang Twins. It's just. It's just that's the longest track on here, and I'm just like, I yeah. don't want that. Um, one hit a quitter. Like it's oh, just oh stanky stanky. Fuck me. These these these. Like bro, I'm saying it. Squeeze it. Official crunk junt. Like, I'm saying it, and that's literally how the hook goes. Like, it's just, it's so, one hit a quitter, one hit a quitter. It's just like, oh, okay, right, yeah, next, like, what's, why is that five minutes? Why is it five minutes? Um, yeah, I just, uh, just like it. <laughs> just, just, a, just a lot of, a, a ton of filler, um, and very just extreme dedication to, to hooks and little else. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very evident that, you know, just too many people just left the kitchen and now it's just it kind of just got very samey um but they just just did the same hooks but they just changed up the words a bit it's just very yeah it's just it's you you can't give me all that color beforehand and now you just give me one hit a quitter one hit a quitter it's just like yeah 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 i mean i think it's the next and this is me coming from i just like tear the club up tear the club up yeah it's the same thing but I fully. There's just levels. I in, with there's levels past that. You know. I hear you. It's it's my actually favorite aspect of Three Six Mafia is the repetition and the bounce and, but I understand why. You know, it's it's not. It's a different. It's different. I understand that. And the Unbreakable is no. Yeah. This no. Choices two is what we're talking about. Sorry. Yeah. Choices two because that was actually a soundtrack to a movie. So choices and choices two were both movies that Three Six Mafia. And this is around the time when they wanted to transition into actual movies like wanted to transition into doing that stuff um but yeah man this album like lord infamous left the group along with the chat uh at this point so they were losing heaps of members like and the chat was never in the group officially but the chat just wasn't recording with them and um you know i haven't actually seen the movie it was packaged with the cd as a dvd it went number 10 on the billboard 200 we get so much more from the affiliates Lil White and Fraser Boy. They dominate the track listing. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. Then we get Most Known Unknown. This is the wor- This is their worst album. This is unlistenable, close to unlistenable. I don't, underst- I don't understand. So firstly, a note on the name. DJ Paul called, called it that and described to Drink Champs what it's like to be rich and successful but still feel underrated. He actually recalled an impromptu review someone once gave him in New York where this person just started shitting on their music and calling it bad. But all DJ Paul was thinking was like, oh wow, New York actually listens to us. 
I think that energy is like replicated in the title here. He said, even after everything they'd achieved, they didn't feel like the superstars they felt they were, and thus they were the most known unknown. And the, the album went number three on the Billboard 200. This is their biggest album. This is their biggest album. It exploded. Uh, 1.6 million copies in the US, their second platinum album. Side to Side, Poppin' My Collar, Stay Fly, Stay Fly, um, which is their most commercially successful song, going double platinum in the US. Charting number 13. Uh, even the remix by Project Pat went platinum in number 21. Stay Fly is a trash song. It's not a good song. Um, and the, the album is just, bro, the, the sexual stuff on this album is horrific. I listened to it again last night, and I decided to, turn, to, to flick the song off whenever there was like a sexually aggressive thing said or like a like derogatory like thing about women said i was getting like 20 30 seconds into a song 35 seconds max and just skipping and i must have listened to the whole album in five minutes because i just kept skipping through as soon as i heard something like awful said it's just so bad man and yeah it's it's, it's not a good album and it's sad and i actually think I don't know what happened to DJ Paul around this time, but I think a lot of it is DJ Paul, a lot of his lyrical content. Juicy J says it, but he, it's almost like he's getting kind of dragged into it, like kicking and screaming a little bit. Doesn't seem like what, what he wants to say, but yeah, the stuff that DJ Paul is saying on this record, bro, is just unlistenable. This album, to me, is one of the worst albums we've ever actually reviewed on this on this podcast. I just, I can't stand it. Hey, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Not for me, not for me. Then we get Last to Walk, which is their second to last album. Yeah. Is it their second to last? What's the last one? Um, or maybe it's their last then. Um, is, this, is this their last, Last to Walk? Well, this is, the, yeah, this is our eight. So, yeah, it's their last This is their last one, yeah. Albums. But, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the issue, puff, puff them all that, um, because I'm, well, dodge the bullet there for me. Well hey, well. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really dodged a bullet, but um, but um, you know, I don't think Last to Walk, from how you've explained, uh, most known unknown is as bad, but it kind of just gives me, it it's just it gives me just choices two vibes again, like it's just like, you know, I, I don't, it's just got that repetitive nature to it, obviously, right? But even stuff like PlayStation is just like it's yeah. it's just mid. It is me. Um, PlayStation is just... I was literally playing the PlayStation while I was listening to PlayStation. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to link up really well. And I was like, no, it's not hitting, even though I'm playing the PlayStation. Just mid. Just, just mid. You yeah. know what I mean? Just mid. And it's just a... Yeah, just... And it's all, just yeah, it's just a whole lot of mid. And um, pills, I think like, the... Yeah. I th- oh, gosh, yeah. No, I just... Yeah, just... Literally, just them saying we blow pills over like, and over again. It's like yeah. three drugs I like is we blowing pills. Like okay, cool, great. What what's the what's the what's the context of this track? Maybe. Um, I think the I think the. I think me personally, the element that got lost here, apart from what we've already established, which is just too many people left, right? And now it's just like, Jay Paul and just whoever feels like coming on really like Akon on that's right yeah that was random I'll take it I guess I'll always take an uh, Akon don't... feature but yeah yeah um like Jennings on or was it Life Jennings yeah Life Jennings on Hood, Hood Star okay cool can't complain right different on some Chrome with UGK alright cool I can, I can you know UGK always is always a good shout 
Um, first 48 of uh, Al Capone, 8 Ball MGG, Spanish Flyer, Project Pat. Decent. Apart from that, bro, I just, uh, just yes, yeah, mid. And I feel like past the, pe- past the amount of people that just left, I think the other element was just that they kind of, they kind of ditched the horrorcore, um, I feel. They, they kind of just threw that to the side and just stuck with, you know, the crunk, uh, early trap kind of, kind of uh, essence there. And it just, um, yeah, just lost, the, it just lost the luster for me. Um, when it got to those last two albums, they just kind of, they, they kick horrorcore to the curb and they just embrace the crunk and the early trap and, um, yeah, and just um, you know, that, was, that was kind of it for me, really. Um, I just, I just, uh, I just didn't really want. I just didn't really want to keep going with listening to it, and obviously, you know, I just like affirmed it. But like, yeah, man, it just got, it just got to, it just got a bit stale by the end there. Um, partly just of those two reasons, I feel like they kicked hardcore to the curb, and and then they kind of they, they lost it. They lost several dimensions, right? Well. You know, well, chapter two, choices one, uh, maybe chapter one as well as you mentioned, right? While those had the variety, um, all of the genre elements that made them good, um, by the time Last of War came through, it's just like <laughs> it's literally just one dimension now. It's just like it's just it's just uh, they just cut. There's a lot of fat cut off, and um, and instead it just got really skeletal for me. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, this is when everything happened and everything ended. It's quite fascinating. Um, so back in 2004, they created a deal with the directors of Hustle and Flow to write an original track for the movie. And obviously that song, as we spoke about before, I'll talk about the Academy Award. It ended up earning them the Academy Award. It's hide out here for a pimp. Now, DJ Paul told 24-7 Hip Hop, they were the first rap group to be nominated for an Oscar. And he's actually very candid about winning it. He said in that interview they were doing the film thing because it was lucrative and they were really enjoying it and this pushed them to create the song now paul said the director of the movie was already a fan of their music so the connection was strong but the wildest thing is paul said they wanted them to do the music for the entire film but dj paul said they couldn't afford them so they only got one song and it won them the fucking academy award which i think is pretty epic now dj paul's description of the entire show is hilarious because they actually performed the song at the ceremony and DJ Paul said he swore off alcohol so he would be lucid for the performance. But as soon as it ended, this was before they were given the award, before the award had even been announced who won. Uh, Three Six Mafia grabbed a few bottles of vodka and they just started a party. They just left. And this is, as I say, they hadn't, they hadn't, like the award hadn't been announced. So people around them were telling them to slow down and don't go too crazy if they win. But they were so convinced they weren't going to win. They were just like, we're just, we're not going to win. Like, you know. They actually ended up beating out Dolly Parton and TJ Paul said the aftermath was incredible because he ended up speaking to George Clooney for, he said, exactly 32 minutes. And, you know, I think that that image alone stands as a bit of a testament to the influence that 36 had. You know, the first rap group to win an Academy Award, the first rappers who weren't Eminem, you have to remember that Academy Awards normal audience were, I would say, Eminem fans. Like, you know, that's not unsurprising that Eminem... If you said... If you literally knew nothing about anything and said, who was the first rapper to win an Academy Award? You would say, oh, Eminem. Like, you'd just straight up say it. So for 3-6 to, you know, be in there and be talking to George Clooney, and it was a massive win to see him up on stage like that. It was a huge win for hip-hop. And it's so odd that it came at kind of the end of the group because 
their final album, Last to Walk, 2008. Crunchy Black had left the group prior to the album over his desire to pursue a solo career and a bit of frustration at the business side. By this stage, the, the group was down to just Juicy J and DJ Paul. They were the only two official members left. And I think they tried to cross over even more. You know, they popped up on a Justin Timberlake track, which was a clear attempt to recreate the magic of Like I Love You with clips, um, but it didn't hit. They got their own reality TV show entitled Adventures in Hollywood. It was on air for one season, but um, it really represents the the zenith of their brand. I mean, they had their own fucking reality TV. And you might laugh at that and think that, you know, a reality TV show is just something that's shown on Vice online. Back in the mid-2000s, bro, no. 2000s? Mid-2000s, if you had a reality <laughs> TV show, you were popping off. You were popping. Do you want a fun fact? Go. <laughs> There was a show, I forgot what it was called, but there was a show, I don't know if it was hosted by Ice Cube or created by Ice Cube, but he had a hand in it, where it was literally like family swap, but instead it was race swap. Oh gosh, I never knew that. So like, literally, literally blackface all of Oh, what? 2000s, bro. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Race swap? Oh yeah, 2000s, bro. I can't wait to watch that uh, that Free Six Mafia uh, series. <laughs> for when I eventually do my fucking documentary the on how fuck the 2000s were. Oh, <laughs> Weird time. But, I mean, their album went number five on the Billboard 200. Uh, but it was just a shell of, of, of an album in comparison to their previous work. Um, it's just not the same. And, you know, that's not their ultimate end, even though that was their last album. We got The Mafia 6 was formed with DJ Paul, Lord Infamous, Crunchy Black, Coopster, and Gangsta Boo. Um, their debut album came out in 2015. Uh, but by then, Lord Infamous had sadly passed, and Gangsta Boo had left the Mafia Six by that time. But it's undoubtedly part of the Three Six universe. Uh, Juicy J and DJ Paul would appear on Famous Food TV show. DJ Paul actually had a massive fight with Ashley Dupree, so much so apparently he almost slapped her. I haven't actually seen the episode, but that caused a lot of like wildness. Juicy J left in 2012 entirely and began working heavily on his solo career. Lord Infamous sadly passed away from a heart attack in 2013. Crunchy Black was then sentenced to seven months in prison, and a year later, Coopster would pass away from a stroke, sadly. At this stage, 3-6 Mafia had ceased, but in August 2019, DJ Paul and Juicy J announced a series of performances, um, and then they had a wonderful US tour until COVID stopped it short. But the, rea- the reunion, sorry, was was quite beautiful. You know, alongside Paul and Juicy J, uh, Gangsta Boo, Crunchy Black returned. They brought along Project Pat and LaChat. And honestly, that feels like, that felt like the core group of the artists that were still around. I mean, obviously, you desperately want Coopster and Lord Infamous. But, um, you know, then we get the yeah. verses against Bone Thugs. Um, there's always been tension between 3-6 and Bone Thugs. In 2015, DJ Paul told Chris Barilla... Um, I'll read out Chris's words too because I, re- I think they really highlight the situation. It wasn't a real beef, DJ Paul said, of the tension between the two. It was more of a misunderstanding because we were rapping about triple six devil shit and tongue twisting over slow beats. Paul then said his group had been doing that since 1989 and Bone Thugs taking on that identity as well upset him. We didn't know the Faces of Death album because it was their underground stuff, just like they probably didn't know our underground stuff. Now, DJ Paul said the release of uh, Thuggish Ruggish Bone is what made him realize the group was using the same style as them. We were like, damn, these dudes stole our whole style. That's why we got mad about it. Um, DJ Paul said that they ran into each other a couple of times and there was a bit of a pushing, but there was never any fight or nothing like that. 
um, Crazy Bone told Hip Hop DX in 2013, we went into the office at Ruthless Records and opened up the fan mail. I had read it and some chick from Memphis was telling me there's this group out here, they made an album that's on the radio and they're dissing y'all, saying that y'all stole their style and they called them 3-6 Mafia. But in that interview, Crazy Bone said there was no real beef either and that it had been squashed. That was until the verses. So Busy Bone during proceedings engages in a very verbal altercation with Juicy J who loudly exclaims, suck my dick. And a bottle was thrown from the other side and it just popped off for about 30 seconds. I think it was Crazy Bone who was still on the mic. If you watch the footage, it's hilarious. Crazy Bone's on the mic the whole time while they're just like throwing punches at each other. And he's just saying random things. Like it doesn't really even make any sense. Um, But they've been asked about it ad nauseum, man. And mostly the answers are pretty generic and dull. Tensions arose. Some stuff from the past bubbled up and ended quickly and there's no real beef. But, you know, I thought I'd talk about it because a lot of people talk about their beef together. Um, But, you know, that's it. And I I would imagine that it will be for the foreseeable future because the group have been touched with tragedy, man. They've lost their third member now. Um, Gangsta Boo passing away at just 43 years old. They just seem to be regularly struck with tragedy. And they're undoubtedly one of the most influential groups in history. As I said earlier, the only proof you need, I don't need to tell you, just go listen to their 90s albums and you'll just hear that sound all over the mainstream. It's one of the most obvious things of influence anyone could ever say. Like, you just listen to it and you think you're listening to a Moneybag Yo song. You know, it's it's that's exactly what it is. And their catalog, I think, is consistently good, apart from the part, the last three albums. I think they're all you know not great albums um but yeah i think they have a decent catalog up until that point and they won a fucking academy award man like you know it's just amazing it's an amazing group amazing group yeah man six out of nine is not a bad batting average yeah that's great <laughs> batting 600 like, that's that's good that's good that's a good that's a good tune percent right there um but yeah even 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 now thinking about it like even just like the baby shit is like that production is just literally just like three six without the horrible like it's just got that fat bass fat bass line and that's pretty much it um and i don't know like i said this with the gangster episode i'm just uh, i'm gonna ask again i'm just gonna be like so did they did these guys literally just like create trap before it was trap like is, well is i that mean because sonically it all sounds very similar crunk. three six like i mean and crunk I will, trap, yeah, trap kind of uh, yeah, came I guess out that's, of I guess that's where a little I... bit, like you know what I mean, like yeah, that's where that's where my knowledge same. gets a bit hazy because I because I know what crunk is, but I don't yeah. know what crunk is at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, I I listen, I've listened to th- Little John before. <laughs> I've I've uh, there's many a time I've been at the club and I hear to the windows, to the walls, to the walls. Sweat like, down my balls. Know, we've all heard that. <laughs> skeet, skeet, skeet. I've I've heard it right. I've seen the Chris Rock uh, stand up right where he does it as well. Skeet, skeet, skeet. Um, but yeah, I just I I I feel like a lot of it is just like trap before people called it trap, and I'm just wondering, is that just a worthy thing to say? Also, it was like, what is? No, there's a difference. Um, in some fashion, I mean, the difference is maybe content. I guess you know, Free Six did a lot of like you know, <clears throat> like I said, survivalist gangster shit. Um, and then got into the, you know, just kind of like went more into the drug lane. I think the funny thing is, is that how like their, their, their worst works got more, got, were the most popular, which is just, uh, I think that is an interesting 
that's an interesting commentary right there, I feel, into what people wanted or what white America wanted at that point, where they didn't want the survivalist... Um, and obviously, this is just a matter of like you know um, coverage and um, longevity, right? Obviously, that helps in this case. But it's just interesting how you know that that kind of stuff got so got popped off so so easily. You know, weed, weed pills, and the other one, um, you know, stuff like that. You know, I mean, it's it's just, it's just interesting. And uh, what's the other one? Stay fly. Like, you know, what are we doing here? You know, what I mean, and like just go listen to chapter one, man. Go listen to chapter two. Go listen to choices. You know, go listen to that shit. Like that's that's the that's the true shit right there. That's the that's the that's the unique shit right there. That's the stuff that I feel nobody has. Um, you know, everyone, everyone, a lot of people take an influence. Obviously, you, you mentioned a, a litany of names in the beginning, <clears throat> but I don't think anybody can do something like that. Where and obviously the group element is you know a big part of that, but even just sound wise, it's just so. It's just got such a uniqueness to it. Like a lot of people can do Tribe Called Quest, but they don't. They can't. They can't be Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same. It's the same thing. Like a lot of people could do the jazz rap. You know, I there's a lot of artists I enjoy on that front, but they're not Tribe Called Quest, and they'll exact and they'll agree with me. And it's the same with these Southern artists, right? You know, they 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 can they can have the sound of you know DJ Paul or Juicy J. They might even get Ju- Juicy uh, Juicy J and DJ Paul to produce for them. But it won't be the same because they ain't three six mafia. So, but um, yeah, man, uh, newfound newfound respect. I think on on the on the, on our southern uh, southern journey for the past two weeks. For realsies. For realsies. Um, but yeah, what should finish there? Hop into a light note if you have anything. No, I don't really have anything this week. I should be signing some work this week. Ooh, um, that's good. Which will be fun. Um, gonna be writing a. Be gonna be writing a script from uh from fresh, uh, from scratch. Um, obviously with some research on top of it. Um, but I kind of it's one of those things where there's material for me there. Um, but I kind of want to do my own. Uh, because I'm the one writing it. <laughs> you know what I mean, so uh, you know, it, it, while while you can trust a lot of people to you know do some, certain things and get certain information, you know, there might be some just elements that you want to add for yourself. Um, so. Hopefully, I'm getting started on that tomorrow. I haven't received um, any material on it yet, um, but <laughs> I mean, better late than never, I guess. On the day of beginning, might as well be that. Um, fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, you know, just um, yeah, my mum's retiring this uh, this week. Oh, shout out, um, mum! So yeah, man. Um, so yeah, uh, I, 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 she, she, I think she's just gonna. I think uh, just find. I think she knows what she likes doing, so I feel like that's good to know that. Um, my sister bought some painting shit uh, during uh, around Christmas, and it's actually her birthday. Like she retires, and then it's her birthday the next day. So um, fun week for her, of course. Um, but yeah, you know, just um, just been existentially thinking about that for the past, um, I guess, well, year in change. Technically, she's literally been quite literally been counting down the days. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I have to, I can't, I don't, <laughs> because she's a pharmacist technician, I've been able to, like, get my prescriptions, like, super quick, um, uh, but now I'm just gonna have to wait, like, everybody else. gonna so, release uh, some, um, information that shouldn't be released just then, because she's a pharmacist, I've just been getting any drugs I want for the last 20 years, <laughs> like, shit, Charlie, <laughs> keep that on the download. Uh, 
yeah, mum, hook me up. No, she just, no, she just, she just processes it. That's good. Quicker. <laughs> so, um, so, so I don't know if that's illegal, but um, yeah. Well, don't matter now. Statue of limitations, bitch. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, just, uh, yeah, shouts to my mum for running the rat race as best she could and uh, now hopping off the, uh, the, the conveyor belt, so to speak, as somebody else, as some other... Some other poor wanker yeah. uh, will will do so very very soon. Before soon we afterwards. before we go, um, what yeah. is the oldest album still in your rotation? The oldest hip hop album. Um, I would hazard a guess to say something like. Uh, I mean, I don't rotate albums, quote unquote, like that. I know, I know that's how people listen to works, right? I listen to albums, of course, but you know, I'm kind of, I don't, I don't go like, hmm, I'm gonna listen to Instinctive Travels right now. You know, what I mean, I rarely do that. Um, but I'll say, let me, let me look through. The Eminem yeah. Show. Really. People said that. People were saying, okay. "Oh, right. you you wrote you wrote into it." People. Okay. People said the Eminem show with their chest. <laughs> like, oh, I listened to early two thousands hip hop. I know what's up. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I think um, something like something like Down to Earth, Money Love. Oh yeah, um, that's that's nineteen ninety. Um, but even with that said, like, if you if you just ask me to listen to something from like the eighties, I'll I'll I'll, I'll I'll play them. But you're not right? a big '80s hip hop just... fan, are you? Like, you're not the massive fan of the sound of the '80s. <laughs> Why? Because I because you don't like the breaks. Tried to rinse because I tried to rinse radio that one time. Oh yeah, that. You... No, I love the breaks. You don't like radio. It's just the fact that you said you, no, you love the breaks that hard. You don't like. That's the joke. You don't like paid in full either. Okay, you do not like paid in full, do you? Oh come on! Well, that's... Yeah, compared to the like, compared to don't uh, the technique and uh, 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 let the rhythm hit no, and that. Yeah, yeah it's definitely full, it's a, bro. No, this is a thing, Ben. It's just it's they're classics, but they just they 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 are they you know they they're low key rudimentary in a lot of ways, right? <sighs> you know, there was some. This is the thing, right? It's the fascinating thing with hip hop history, right? Because around that time, you know, there was a lot of experimentation. And once the likes of like, I can't wait till we just get into the whole of like history of cold chilling, um, because like you know the the the, uh, I forgot boss man's name already. Fuck, um, uh, fuck, that's gonna annoy the fuck out of me. I'm gonna look up right quick. But anyway, um, but yeah, well, once you get into that that era, um, Big Daddy Kane. You know, I listen. Uh, huh? Big Daddy Kane. No, 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 no. The uh, the dude, the dude who fucking started the shit. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Oh, who started? Molly Mo, Molly Mo, Molly Mo, Molly Mo, Molly Mo, Molly Mo, Molly Mo. Yeah, once he started like coming into the game, and you know, and we we mentioned him mostly in reference to Eric B as well. Um, I just feel you know that competition um, lifted shit up, and just work started getting just dramatically better by a certain point. Obviously, like Bomb Squad with like Public Enemy, I love that shit. I'll, I'll, I'll bump some It Takes a Nation. I'll bump some Yo Bob Russia show. I'll bump that. Easy. Right? So there's there's just a line of demarcation for me. Okay? Um. So, like, you know, I don't know what year it is, but there's a specific year where just shit changes. 88. And that's it for me. Um. But, you know, um. You know, I'll, I'll spin some Run DMC. 
Like their so first you listen album? to Run DMC, but you easy. will not listen to Radio. <laughs> I know, but there's different dynamics there. I guess. Like, LL Cool J is literally just like a beat and, and LL Cool J. That's all he needs um, is a beat. And it's it's literally just that. That's it. Like, at least with Run DMC, like, there's some, you know, scratching. There's, like, two people talking. There's some, you know, variety there. Like, so, you know, I just... I, I don't know. The the vibes are different. The vibes are different. That's all. That's all it is. But yeah, when it comes to like something like Paid in Full, um, or Radio, like you know those two specific records, I like them. Right, they're fine. I can spin them. But, bruv, <laughs> I'm listening to my. I'm I'm gonna be listening to 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 Don't Sweat the Technique instead. I'm just, that's just how it is. And follow and follow the leader. Fuck like shit like that. Like that's. They just escalate. They just rose their game a bit. That's all it is. I'm not dissing. I'm not dissing the early shit because the early shit is the early shit, and I'll happily listen to them. But I just prefer the others because they 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 up their game, and and I think you'll agree with that. They up they it's up their so game with a lot of it, bro. Um, so that so. album is just the baselines on that album are just like I don't know. I mean, look, I think 1988 was the year that shit changed. I mean, Bismarcky dropped going yeah. off. Um, that's a Sonic. Public Enemy takes a nation. Uh, Followed Leader did drop that year. Straight Outta Compton dropped that year. Easy Does It dropped that year. Light as right. a Rock. Um, right. Slick Rick, right. of course. Like yeah. Great Adventures of Slick Rick changed the game forever. Um, my earliest is Salt and Pepper. Um, Hot, Cool, and Vicious. 80, 86, I think. And I regularly spin that album. It's just fucking fun, yeah. man. It's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, but. I can I can listen to many eighties projects, right? And we do get to them sometimes, right? Whenever we get to them, <clears> and um, but yeah, I just I I mean I'm admittedly a very contemporary listener. Um, I listen to a lot of contemporary shit because I just wanna I just I just I don't know I just like to keep abreast of um, the current scene, right? And I like I like that. Um. But you know, there's plenty of shit. Yeah, man, I'll go listen to some Miles Davis if you want Yeah, but that's to. different, bro. Like, no, we're not talking about other genres. Yeah, jazz, take, jazz peaked in the sixties. Jazz peaked in the sixties and seventies, bro. Saying. Come on, that's different. Oh, you know that's oh. true. You know that's true. Jazz, jazz so? is amazing, but it peaked. Like you're not gonna go. You're not gonna say oh, I was listening to rock in the fifties. You know, it's completely versus oh, I was listening to rock in the sixties. Completely different. Why? Because there was no white people doing it then. Because rock was shit in the fifties. <laughs> it didn't explode. It didn't like go crazy until the late sixties. <laughs> I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Okay, right. What do you want me to say? Like I listened to jazz in the forties. Yeah, I mean that's fine. I listen to jazz now. Is that a good? Is that a good or bad good. thing? Although I don't know that many current right, jazz cool. Right, cool. artists that are blowing up, apart from. Uh, well, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not your bag, and that's fine. I don't know many rock bands, but that's not my bag. But yeah, you know, so but you know, we combined it to hip hop, right? I feel, and and so, is that a tally thing to say? Then it's like, oh, I, oh, I listen, I just listen to Nas, I, I just listen to Ilmatic. Like, is that is that is that just basic of somebody? Yeah, I mean, if you if if the only album if the latest album they latest album yeah, they well, spin the thing, Nas? the question is like, we can we can fully admit that rock really exploded in the late sixties. And does that make the 80s the 50s for rock? You know what I mean? Or does that make the 80s like the 40s for jazz? Because jazz was the 50s and 60s. Does that make 
the 90s. Do you know what <laughs> I'm trying to say, what? The 50s and 60s. I'm just trying to, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Now. I, 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 I understand what you're saying. I think, well, that's the thing. Like, I think, like, I think we can agree that R&B, for example, has a lot of golden yeah. ages. And that's for diff- yeah, and they're for different true. reasons. And I think it can be the same for rock. And we can make the argument for hip-hop. Um, but hip-hop's obviously the youngest. Like, we're literally, you know, it's 50 years this year. Um, R&B... <laughs> I mean, shit. Rhythm that's, and blues. Yeah. Like, fuck. Let's go a little bit of... Started, right? You know yeah. what I mean? That's like a few hundred, couple hundred, that's a few years. hundred years. Been around right? for a while. <laughs> Been around for a couple hundred years. Now, so that's, well, that was the thing that you were saying before. Like, if you're so, saying there's a difference between rock and blues, like... 60s rock stole so much shit from rhythm and blues stole so much so if you're talking right. about like there blues music from yeah. the 50s and 40s that's a whole other so rock music before so rock music in the 50s was shit because they didn't actually think oh yeah chuck berry let's do that they haven't been stealing yet right there we go that's interesting there you go so blues music was where it was fucking at in that period of time right. exactly yeah you louis armstrong's chuck berry's exactly like yeah um, well, Chubby started rock and roll, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, you know. But then when you come to like rock in the eighties, you know, there's plenty of people that love rock in the eighties, right? There's state, there's whole radio stations that delivered. Yeah, I mean that's that that's true, but that's right? that's trash. Like it's hair metal garbage. Uh, it, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, sure. But it still it still was popping, but just for a different reason. That's true. For a different for a different form. R and B has been popping in different realms, right? You had the Quiet Storm. Uh, Smokey Robinson, uh, Marvin Gaye, like in the seventies, you had Motown in the sixties. That's a fucking, that's a whole yeah. genre technically, yeah. right? If you really want to go about it, like the happiness of it, Motown's the whole fucking genre. Let alone a branch of R and B. It's one big fucking dench arm, bro. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger's fucking biceps yeah. in the eighties, bro. That's what that's what Motown was. It was one big arm. Um, but yeah, you know, R and B right now, I feel like is having another another Renaissance. kind of golden age with just how how many artists are just like, especially females are just like, um, just bringing that bringing that essence back. Obviously, the nineties in R and B, hello, mm-hmm. like hip hop, it was you know trying to steal from yeah. it half the time. Um, so yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of eras can have the claim of like, um, there's I don't I don't I don't think the quote-unquote golden age is like a i think it's a loose term i i i'm more fluid with it um because with it's it's easy to do it with something like hip-hop because because the 90s was so just um was so fruitful in how much quality there was right compared to the 80s and in hindsight the 2000s it just makes it when when the decades beside them are just a little bit lesser um you just notice it you just notice it easier um but you know, when but when it when hip hop's going to be another fifty years old, probably there'll probably be two or three more golden ages by the time you know we get to thirty twenty three. What's um, that's the hope. what's the latest on if if I ask you that if I ask someone that question what's the like what's an acceptable range of answers when you just like what's the earliest album like if you say something like I don't know. The Eminem show from two thousand three, like that. I mean, come on, you gotta be listening to something prior <laughs> I mean, to that. I'm not gonna right? diss. I'm not gonna diss a fifteen year old. Like, no, um, I'm not yeah. saying a fifteen year old. I'm saying someone in their twenties, man. Like, someone in their twenties is like they they were born in 03. born in two. If you if you ha- if 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 you're if you're over the age of twenty and you haven't t- and you haven't listened to an album pre ninety five, 
and you claim to be I into hip hop. I'm not saying you don't have to I'm say like I'm hip hop, you know anything. If you just say I'm into hip hop and I say, all right, what's the late, what's like the earliest album you've uh, hip hop album you listen to? If they can't go past '95, I feel, I feel a bit like. But mm, I feel like it's. I feel like, I feel like it's things. specific albums. Like I feel like if you've telling me you've never listened to anything, for, you've never listened to Straight Outta Compton, Takes a Nation, you never listened to. Right. Anything Slick Rig, yeah. Bismarcky, Bigger and Deffer, like, well, you got to listen to at least a couple of those. People's Instinctive, like, if you haven't listened to People's Instinctive, I don't know what to say to you, man. Like, go listen to that shit, bro. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to get, I, I don't think I'm, yeah, there's levels, there's levels to it, and we're, you know, and it's, there's a grey area. Um, I'm just being, I was just being blunt in just mm. like 95, because I feel like 95s are just a good, you know, slice a good cutoff, um, but you know, I was born '96, so you know, if if a twenty if a twenty year old, literally a twenty two o year old, it doesn't hasn't spun anything past two thousand or before mm. two thousand, um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be raising an eyebrow a little bit. Like, <laughs> if you're into hip hop, then you're into hip hop. Like, you'll be you'll be doing you'll be listening to albums, and you know, like you know, it's taken me. It's taken me seven, eight-ish years, and I've been pretty dedicated to it, you know. And you know, I feel like there's not many people like me, especially something like the UK, where you know most people will be listening to Dave, most people will be listening to Stormzy, most people will be listening to H. <laughs> I was going to say something funny. <laughs> oh fuck! I just remembered. I just remembered. Oh. The Okay, let's just send this now before I go off. Let's just send this now before I have a break. I thought you were like, I don't know what was coming then. Yeah, now we're good. We got to end. I got stuff to let's, do. Let's let's not. Let's not. I sent Ben like four voice messages in response to one voice message he was having when he I told him to look up the Brit Awards nominations, and I just kept having to like stop and respond to something he said, and just the I hate the Brits. I think they're worse than the Grammys pound for pound because at least the Grammys, while they don't, while they have probably way too many uh, genres to cover, that's the bed they sleep in. Brit Awards don't even do that, and they still fuck it up. It's actually outstanding how easily they fuck up, and they don't even go that deep. They don't even have a best jazz jazz act or jazz artist. They don't even have a best R and B artist. They just do what was it, grime, hip hop, and yeah, rap. I don't know what they do? What are we doing here? Like they, they have no, they have zero variety at all, and it's actually very sad that this is the premier British awards ceremony. It's just really shit, <laughs> and it's just really crap uh, to watch. And the fact they went gender neutral, and they still have a bunch of dudes on it, it just doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, we shall well, finish there. I mean, your man Harry's I blow a gasket. Your man Harry's got a few nominations in there. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, my guy. Yeah, my guy, my guy, Harry. Yeah, sure. I can't be asked to explain the inside joke. All right, ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth M Podcast Network. It's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm Charlie Taylor for filming. With Men Carter, few pop numbers. We hope you have a good week. We shall always, always try and do the same. Until next time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs>
The Huguenin Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is pizza and video games, but bonus points. Thanks to your music, fully biddy to use. Socials for the development, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and short music will be in the full show notes as well as names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth end podcast over production. Thanks for spending time with us. I shall see you next time on Digging in. in.